0: Yo, what's good, everybody? I wanted to let you guys know that the standard spring collection is officially live. You can go ahead and buy your black suit as well as black tuxedo, and we're also going to be selling the navy and the gray as well. Do not forget, it is only a limited amount of suits, so get your suit today before they're all sold out. And by getting an amazing suit, you get access to this amazing community of extraordinary men committed to excellence. Go to the affluentstandard.com. Go ahead and get your suit. I look forward to connecting with you guys and let's get started with today's episode.
1: People are upset and frustrated with themselves because they know if they gave their best, their dreams would become a reality. They're disappointed with themselves. Mm. In that moment, a man must have the conversation with himself. I've had this conversation with myself where I was disappointed with myself. I was upset with myself because I did more of this than I did the working. And then I had to choose to make the adjustment or take the L. Mm. That's the choice the man has to make. So if that's where you are, look, some of, us got, some of us have a different life. Some of us got to take a step back at 43 years old. Some of us got to take a step back at 52 years old. You gotta, hell, nowadays we're gonna live to 90 years old, we're gonna live to 100 years old. So it's not like, you know, a 60 year old today, a 50 year old today is really 50. A 50 year old today is a 30 year old 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you're still young. You shouldn't think that it's too late. But it won't work for you if you BS yourself and the world.
0: Yo, what's good, everybody? This is our Feast, and welcome back to another episode. As you guys know, we recently launched our new collection of the standard, the black suit, as well as a black tuxedo. And, man, they've been flying off the shelves, and I've been so excited about all the men who are committed to not just saying they're the standard in their words, but actually being the standard in their actions. But if we're going to do anything about being the standard, we have to bring in one of my favorite human beings of all time, a man who embodies a standard in everything physical, emotional, spiritual, and definitely financial. This is a nice building he got right here. And we've brought him on the podcast multiple times, but I believe this episode, of all the episodes, because they were all amazing and you guys have loved them, is going to be one of the most impactful, especially for the men who want to take their lives to the next level. Without further ado, please welcome back to the show, the one and only Patrick Bet David.
1: Great to be on with you, man. I've been watching you guys from the first one we did to the second one to the third one. You guys are doing a great job, but it's good to have you on again. Good to be on with you thank, again.
0: Thank you so much, Patrick. Patrick, you know, last time we talked, there was there was so much conversation. There were so many there were so many good things that came about from it. Mm-hmm. And I want to take today's conversation a little in a bit of a different direction, because similar to how you've been watching me and examining me and seeing the growth that I've had. I've also been watching you for quite a long time. And we talked a little bit about it last time, because that's when you were really pivoting with the podcast from the traditional sit down videos to um, more of the deeper conversations about life, politics and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And your book. The next five moves. You, you told me that you really wanted to name it your next 15 moves because the grandmaster thinks 15 moves ahead. But your publisher tells you only five. So what I realized is that when you watch Patrick doing something, Patrick is not just somebody who's doing something sporadically just out of the blue. He is being methodical. He is planning. He's being strategic. And I'm not going to lie, Patrick. I believe I know your plan. Really? I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it because I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to ruin it. But I, I'm seeing you transition in a certain direction that I'm like, this makes the most perfect sense. Tell me about how has the podcast been? How have you been in the, uh, in regards to talking more about political subject matters? How has the reception been since you've been recently engaged in it?
1: Yeah, so we started Valutainment. Originally, it was called Patrick Bed David. I changed it to Valutainment at uh, 450,000 subs, and it grew to 3. Point something million subs right now. 3.3 million subs right now. And then Valutainment, we produce Valutainment Russian, which is at around 280. And then we got a few other shows: Valutainment Money, Valutainment Sports, and uh, we're launching Valutainment Spanish. And then we're gonna do Valutainment Mandarin, Valutainment Arabic. But I started talking about politics, and one day I'm sitting down with Mario, and I said, listen, value the show value that's specifically business, interviews, you know, Kobe, mob, bodybuilding, FBI, CIA, all this stuff. It's not really politics. I will talk about US-China trade war, history of US-Iran conflict, things like that, but on the podcast, it's more current events. What's going on today? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And so we launched the PBD podcast. It allowed us to uh, 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 be able to discuss current events that are taking place. Mm-hmm. And then through doing that, we're now also recruiting other talent to come yes. and have the podcast with them by Yes. No,
0: yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Yacht series. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was nice. Yeah. That was nice. And so what are, one of the things that I've seen you do an excellent balance of is balancing political conversations to where they're nuanced and they don't create these straw man arguments for either sides. And I love whenever I'm seeing you interview and talk to different people, you, you, you're you able to think the way that people on the left think to be able to ask the right question for individuals on the right and, and, and vice versa for individuals on the left. And so my question to you is, what do you think helps you have such a great balance and a great understanding and an ability to be very objective in these conversations where in the world is very easy to just pigeonhole into one area?
1: Uh, my parents got a divorce. When they got a divorce, both sides said stuff about the other person, mm-hmm. right? So whoever was in your ear the longest, you believe them more, mm-hmm. okay? Your dad is this, your dad is that, your dad is this. The Bedavids are this. The Assyrians are this. Mm-hmm. You know, all they do is this, right? And then when I'm on the other side, well, your mother is this, Armenians are this, they're this, they're that. And I'm like, listen, I'm so sick of hearing both sides of the story. I want to know for myself. So I start questioning one side Mm. so then mom thinks i'm defending dad Mm. so then i go to my dad's side and i'm pushing him and he's thinking i'm defending mom Mm. so both of them don't know whose team i'm on Mm. they're both thinking i'm against them Mm. and i tell them believe me i'm asking the same question i'm asking of you from mom and believe me i'm asking the same question i'm asking you of dad eventually they realize that's my wiring so my parents their divorce and their challenges they had in their marriage being, you know, they, they got divorced twice in 20 years, <laughs> married. My sister's born two years later, divorce year later. I'm born remarried divorce 16 years later. So <laughs> that's what, so I watch both sides. And so that brings me to, you know, where, uh, we were growing up. I mean, I'm, I'm 13 years old. I'm going to my mom and we're having our first history class where they're talking about Democrats, Republicans, independents, and I'm not really somebody that's too much into politics. And uh, the teachers talking about Republicans are this, Independents are this, and you know the Democrats are this. And finally, I come home. I'm like, Hey, mom, question for you. She said, What's that? I said, "Uh, Are we Democrats or Republicans? And she says, We're Democrats. I said, Tell me why we're Democrats. She says, Well, we're Democrats because Democrats are for the poor. Republicans are for the rich Mm. and I said you know what I want to be a Republican when I grow up and she says what do you mean? I said I want to be rich one I have no no clue what it is to be a Republican, but I hate being poor. Mm. I was so sick of being poor People dropping off gifts on you know Thanksgiving, Christmas. Don't do it. Why are you? I don't like feeling sorry for. Mm. It's a disrespectful feeling when somebody looks down at you as if I can't get out of this hole. I can't. Don't feel guilty for me. Encourage me. Challenge me. Inject belief in me, but don't feel bad for me. So I started watching both sides. And then you come here to today. I just had a call with a guy that's worth $2.5 billion. We just got off the phone. Uh, I want to have him on the podcast. And we're talking on the po- We're going back and forth. He lives right down here. Well known guy when it comes to business. And I, he says, So, Patrick, tell me, uh, what do you know about this guy? I says, So, what do you think about Trump? He's a this. Okay, what do you think about Elizabeth Warren? He's a this. What do you think about Biden? He's a this. What do you think about Joe Manchin? I like him. What do you think about? So, I'm going through the process with him. Now, some of the things we agree on, some of the things we disagree on. I'm not going to compromise my core values, but I'm going to push. I'm going to learn. And sometimes I'll even sit with somebody that I agree with. And they walk away from the interview saying, what side are you on? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm on the side of getting a good argument, good debate so the audience can learn. Yeah, That's the side I'm part of when that thing's on, Yes, when we're having a conversation. So that's kind of this whole thing about pushing both sides comes
0: yeah I I look forward to the day where we can turn this off and I can and I can really hear (laughs) 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 no I love it because the Marxist conversations are exceptional I think you do a fantastic job because I think it's so easy for people when you fundamentally disagree with somebody it's so easy to um, to attack their beliefs it's so easy to not give them an opportunity but what you really are trying to do is you're trying to sit down and understand okay Give me your most rational, logical, best argument, and you're actually helping your 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 speaker actually create their best ideas. And I, and I admire that about you because it's so easy, especially in the social media era, to just be able to get these viral moments where you're bash the marks to show how stupid he is and things like that. But no, you're really trying to objectively understand what the other side is thinking.
1: You you have to, especially today, because if you don't do that today, and so we're having a conversation today about uh, on the podcast about. Uh, what's going on with society, right? We're talking about kids, all this other stuff, what kids are going through, because a New York Times article came out talking about the fact that, you know, how much kids have fallen back in reading, what level of reading because of COVID the last two years, and uh, LA Unified School District 1, the leader said the fact that there's nothing wrong with that. What's important, the fact that kids in the last two years have learned the difference between protesting and rioting, a coup and an insurrection. That's what's important where kids have learned. So I sat there and I'm like, okay, so what are we supposed to do with parenting? So Liz Wheeler, who we had on, and she's like, well, I think parenting is this, and then Tom gave his feedback. I said, look, here's a challenge today, okay? Everything we look at on how to raise kids, we're looking at what kids need to do. So school education is kids. Let's teach kids this. Let's teach kids that. Let's teach kids this, right? Okay. When I became a parent, nobody told me what it was to do With parenting, the only thing I know is the memory and the training I got from my dad. And then I went and read every single book I can get my hands on for, you know, raising up boys, raising up girls, parental capacity, all these books about parenting, right? Okay. But I sat there and I said, so we can put it all on the kids, but the reality of it is, and we can rely on the teachers. Well, you know, they're indoctrinating. What parents need to do is they need to indoctrinate. I said, what schools need to do is they need to teach parents how to be parents, Mm. Because some people were raised in a family that nobody taught them how to be a parent. Yeah. Your father, you're talking about your father's story right up before camera. We're talking about what experience he had growing up as a man. And he raises a guy like you. And there's no way in the world you became like this without somebody having a strong influence on you. Yes, and how much respect and admiration you have for your father. Yes, it's very obvious, right? But some people don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. So what do they need? We need to equip those parents, right? Mm-hmm. We need to equip them to become better leaders. Going back and thinking about like, okay, I'm going to tell my kids, we're Christians and that's it. We're atheists and that's it. We're capitalists and that's it. We're this. That's also not a way of doing it because if you teach your kids that way, they're going to push away, right? Mm-hmm. Versus this morning, my kid, eight-year-old kid is reading a book on World Cup and he says, dad, did you know Hitler? Every time I read about Hitler, why does everybody say bad things about him? How bad was this man? I said, why don't you do research to find out why he hates the Jews? Mm-hmm. Why did he hate the Jews, daddy? Go find out and see if you agree with us thinking. Mm-hmm. Why was he a bad guy? What did he do that was bad? Because I'm challenging him to learn how to process issues for himself. Yeah. Then we're having a discourse together, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the debate part is needed a ton today. RFK, Kennedy's family, I'm interviewing them. And I said, growing up, your dad being RFK, you know, a guy that was going to be the next president. Everybody was looking at him as more qualified to be a president, even more than John F.K. was mm-hmm. until he got assassinated. I said, what was it like being his son? He said, every night when we had dinner, at dinner table, our father would ask, what's wrong with drugs being legal? Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't you use drugs? I said, he would ask you questions like that. He says, flat out, he would ask us about drugs. He would ask us about prostitution. I said, prostitution? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He would ask us about war. He would ask us about draft, because at that time, guys were being drafted. Mm -hmm. He would ask us about marriage. Everything during dinner was about debate. Today, everything at dinner is this. This is dinner, okay? You're eating, and you're on this. Mm -hmm. You're eating, you're on this, right? Mm. There is no debate. So we have to teach our kids, especially us as adults and parents, you got to listen to the other side of the story in the argument. By the way, it could be a wrong argument, but you're going to get a better perspective of why that person thinks the way they do. We don't ask that enough.
0: Mm, I love that. I think what you really um, communicated was the importance of teaching your children how to think versus what to think all day long. And I think one of the things when I was in education, that was that was the biggest shift that I liked where education was going. Because in the past, what they would do is they would tell you, "Well, Jamestown was founded in 1609." That was what to think. But then we said, "Okay, why was Jamestown founded? Was it was was um, imperialism a bad thing? Was the idea of..." Pursuing more land in the West wasn't good. So now instead of just getting the children to recognize facts, you started getting them to think critically about the world and the way the world navigates. I love that. I really love what you said about the parents, because I'm not sure if you're familiar with this um, school school zone. Is a school zone in Harlem, and it's a school called Harlem Children's Zones, one of the top charter schools in the nation. Um, the Harlem um, some, some school system is one of the lowest performing school systems in the country until a billionaire <laughs> partnered with a man who, who had a passion, I think his name was Jeffrey Canada, had a passion for his community. And what he realized was more than educating the students, we need to educate the parents. So he literally did a whole initiative in Harlem where every single parent who has a child Gets um, an opportunity to go into parenting courses for free, which also provides daycare for the children, so that the parents can have opportunity for their children Beautiful. to be there. And so, I love what you're communicating—the importance of individuals taking that responsibility and teaching their kids how, not necessarily what to think. But my question to you is this, Patrick: Like I said, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the chessboard. I may be wrong, but I'm seeing the chessboard in your life, and I'm seeing you in positions of power very soon, more than people can ever imagine for you and your family legacy. My question is, Patrick David, right now, president of the United States of America, he's in charge. The country is saying, you know what, we've been doing these three three branches, it's, 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 it hasn't been working, we're constantly in a deadlock. Patrick, we trust you, we respect you. What we're gonna go ahead and do is, whatever you want, we're gonna do it. We're gonna implement it, we're, for, we're gonna try something new, for a year, we're implemented in this country because we need Patrick, we need to make a change. What are the three things that you're implementing in this country today if Patrick Bed David is a president and he has authority to do what he believes is best for the country? All right, guys, we're going to take a quick pause from this week's episode with the ladies and talk to you guys about our amazing partners over at Shortform. Man, I love the episode with the ladies. They're a lot of fun, but let's be honest. A roommate's platform is built to help men leveling up and Shortform does exactly that. Short. Form is book summaries on steroids. You guys know we're always recommending you so many different amazing books and with Short Form you're able to go onto their website and find amazing summaries so that you can get a better understanding of the books before you read it or if you don't have time yet to read it. Go to shortform.com slash roommates and get a 20% off discount on the already discounted price. Not only does Short Form have books, they also have all the great articles that I'm always quoting. Readers are leaders. I'm kind talking to millionaires and very successful men and they're always reading so short form is an amazing resource so go to shortform.com slash the roommates sign up today and let's get back to this week's episode
1: okay so so first most important thing is what you do 20 years before you become a president let me explain uh, the 20 years prior to you becoming a president is a hundred times more important than what you do when you do become a president mm-hmm. why here's why. If you have a reputation of being tough, everybody knows that if you were voted in, you're tough, so you're not a pushover. Mm-hmm. If you have a reputation of being bot and flip-flop, and you know your reputation is, this guy's bot. I don't know what the core foundation of this guy is. If, if the reputation is, you know what? One day I'm going to be the president. And that's what it is in itself. Then it's all about, well, you're just happy to be a president. That's not necessarily good for others. It's good for you. For example, sometimes the best people to become president are the people that don't want to become presidents. And the worst people to become presidents are the ones that are dying to become a president. Those are the ones that shouldn't become a president, right? So the reputation would set the tone of who's president now. For example, you know uh, 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 whether you like him or hate him when jimmy carter became president iran wasn't afraid Mm. when jimmy carter became president you know cuba wasn't afraid they laughed at him when jimmy carter became president Khomeini wasn't afraid people just weren't afraid of him he seemed weak he's a great thinker he's a great man good family guy good christian man but he's not a good president right Mm. so his reputation followed him. The enemy wasn't afraid. If you look at during Trump administration, those four years, everybody thought a war was going to get started, including Republicans. Mm-hmm. Many Republicans are like, this guy's temperament is mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah. He could press... I don't know if I want him to have that, but Republicans said that. There was no war. North Korea didn't do anything. Putin didn't do anything. China, the only thing that happened was with COVID after all the sanctions he put on him. You got what took place with the uh, Huawei with 5G at that time, people forgot about the whole Huawei conversation, but Palestine and Israel, how did he bring all this stuff together? Biden becomes president. Again, some people are not going to like this. It's just the truth. If your reputation isn't intimidating, enemies are going to go out there and execute. Hmm. Okay, so the way we handled Afghanistan and Taliban takes over $80 billion of equipment and our sequencing of how we left was catastrophic. Nothing about what Biden did was what 90% of America on both sides would have agreed or disagreed with. Let's leave Afghanistan. This war didn't make any sense. 3 trillion dollars for what? What did we really accomplish? But the sequencing was the challenge with him. Mm. It was abrupt, it just happened. We left the stuff behind. I don't understand why we did this the way we did it. The sequencing was off. So enemy, a China or Russia watches this and they say, "Okay, So you were okay with the Taliban getting everything? No problem. It's kind of like the mob movie. When Marlon Brando in Godfather, there was an attempt on his life. Mm -hmm. He has to retaliate. Mm -hmm. You have to retaliate. Mm -hmm. If you don't retaliate, all the other families now see weakness in you. Mm -hmm. And if they see weakness in you, now they're going to attack everybody in your family. Versus you got to have the meeting and say, guys, we are retaliating, and here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Then the market says what? Okay, you guys took out ghassan Soleimani against Iran. Trump means business. we got to be careful here. And then Iran comes and acts like they're tough. They shoot a couple different things in a base that they knew there was nobody there mm-hmm. to convince their people we retaliated. But the uh, U- U- U.S. took out their number two guy in the country who was supposed to be the next president of the country. That's a move. Iran showed weakness, and Iran went on a line with China, 25 years for $400 billion, and they protected him. They realized this guy's not going to sway. So half the battle of you becoming president is your reputation before you become president. Now, let's just say you have a strong reputation become a president. Here's a few things that I would be looking at today. My, My goal is to find out exactly what your dreams are, and you go pursuing that. Meaning, I believe every single human being has dreams. Some are smart, small, some are mid some are big, some are massive, right? You got the 0.001% of Elon Musk. You got the 1%ers that are making 450 to 550 per year. You got the 20%ers that are making six figures. Then you got the 50%. I want to be able to get people to move up to the next level. So the dreamers, what are your dreams? Great. What do we need to do with that? Uh, our education and form of recognition to people to lift up. You're a small business one, I want to lift you up. Hero-making machine in America would go to the roof. Mm. I'm going to turn people that went from nobodies to somebody's a small business owner that doesn't rely on the government, you are the hero. Mm. Why? Because you're pulling your own little red wagon. People who are independent are heroes. Victims are not heroes. People who overcame challenges are heroes, not the ones that constantly blame somebody and feel helpless about themselves. Nothing about that is attractive. Nothing about being a victim is attractive. There are people who have experienced things that are you know, actual victims. But the concept of victimhood mentality has spread across America today where we're turning them into heroes. Mm. Oh my gosh, look what happened to you. I feel so sorry for you. And we all feel sorry for you as if you're helpless. Mm. If you can walk, talk, speak, read, think, smell, taste, all that stuff, you have the capability to do something big with your life. That's that part. Next one. Educational system would slightly change because uh, in the educational system today what we're teaching and what we're not teaching we don't spend any time teaching tax code why not it's very important you have to learn the tax code the tax code set up in a certain way for you to know voting marriage should you get married should you not get married our education would be more based on me sitting in a room with a couple that's been married for 50 years a husband and wife that were married they got a divorce and a guy that's single and happy, and a husband and wife that have been married for 30 years and chose to never have kids, Mm -hmm. and they're going to debate. Let me tell you why we never have kids. I love it. Why you shouldn't think about having kids. A single person that's sitting there saying, I'm 52 years old, I've never been married, and I'm so happy. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you how happy I am. A person that's been married who's miserable, they got a divorce, and they tell you you should never get married. Mm -hmm. A husband and wife that have been married for 50 plus years to say, we're happily married, we have kids and grandkids, let me tell you why you ought to consider getting married. Let them debate. Mm -hmm. Let the kids decide, you know what? I'm never going to be married. I'm this guy. Mm -hmm. I'm this person. I'm scared of being married. I'm going to get married, but have no kids. I'm going to get married and have five kids. The education is going to change about marriage, parenting, finances, money, taxes, voting, You know, having people that come and debate right in front of me. I don't want a liberal to teach me about economics. I don't want a Republican to teach me about economics. I want both to teach me about economics. I want to Government class that we're teaching in high school, I want them to invite parents who are Republicans, Democrats, and Independents and debate each other in front of the kids. I want that kind of discourse. That's how kids learn. We have to be willing to do that. So education will change. Military side. I think in our military side, uh, our military uh, uh, is okay. We're great. We're strong. But not at the levels of what our enemies are doing. We are a little too naive with what the enemies are preparing for. We're buying weapons that people went to war with 40 years ago. Mm. People are not going to war anymore with the weapons that was used 40 years ago. Today's weapon of choice is a proxy that you use through technology, through other methods of, we have to be careful with some of these places that are doing bio-warfare, military, cost of military spending that we do, whatever the amount is, 2.1 trillion, whatever the number is. The level of allocation we would move from way we went to war 40 years ago to technology... You know, hacking, cyber, bio, that would be the area. It would be all leadership development. Those are some of the things I can tell you right off the bat.
0: No, I love it. Because to me, I think um, as, as I'm hearing you navigate your process, like you said, I love the word hero development. Because to me, I think what's happened today is that the world lacks heroes. And I think that's what makes channels like yours so attractive. Because a lot of young men, they, they don't feel like they have those role models. They don't feel like they're being empowered to greatness. They don't feel like there's someone helping them actually go from 60,000 to 100, 100 to 5, 5 to a million, a million to, to a billion. They don't see that. And they see, like you said, that victimhood being celebrated. It's okay. It's, I, somebody once told me it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. But now it's different. Now it's okay not to be okay. And it's even better to stay there. And so I love that all of your emphasis, all of your 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 desire is to help build up the leaders around you instead of to make society too dependent upon the government and one person. But my question to you is you love pushback. I love it when you're interviewing people, you're always giving pushback, you're always giving feedback. You're, there's people right now who are listening to you, they don't like what you're talking about. They don't like your messaging about showing multiple sides. They may be an evangelical conservative Christian. They don't want atheists coming to their kids, coming to their school, telling their kids about atheism and how much is better than Christianity. There are some parents in, 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 in the school who may not like conversations about sex, sex education and different types of gender politics. They don't want those in the schools. So there's a there's a segment of people who are going to push back on you and say, we don't want those things in our schools with our children. So if you're the president and you have this oppositional force of individuals who don't like the policy that you're implementing, what are you doing as a leader to um deal with those individuals? Yeah,
1: so it's naive to think that way. Okay. You, you, you know, as a parent, I got four kids. I got a 10-year-old, eight-year-old, five-year-old, and I got an eight-month-old. Before we had a daughter, before we had a kid, you know what's one of my biggest fears? Let me tell you what's one of my biggest fears. I was worried about how I'm going to handle my daughter having sex with a guy Mm. and losing her virginity. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how much in my mind I had to... Before I had a kid, I had to come to a conclusion of how I'm going to process this and what kind of a conversation I'm going to have with my daughter because that's her body. She's got to choose what to do with it, right? Okay. Um, As a guy who knew the words to say to girls to get what I wanted... And she's probably going to be attracted to a guy of my kind of a personality. I know what that guy is capable of because I'm that guy. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm naive to think that guys are not going to make a pass at her and how they're going to try to woo her and what she's going to be turned on by. Fine. So then I sat down and I said, so what's your biggest challenge about, you know, your daughter and what she's going to do? You afraid that she's eventually going to meet a guy that's going to love her more than you? She's going to love him more than you? No, that doesn't bother me. Then what is it? You afraid that a guy's going to take advantage of it? That bothers me. Okay, so how do you prepare for that? Mm. Can you fully control against that? Not really, but I can, you know, talk about her openly with her. So what would you talk to her about her? Are you comfortable if your daughter, you, clo- you know, you're so protective of her that she can go to the parties, she can't go on that travel trip to Argentina with a class of 40 other students and 20 guys, 20 girls, and you don't know what they're doing at the hotel late at night and you're not one of the chaperon? Are you uncomfortable with that? Because what? She may meet a guy, they may make out, they may do something that you'll never find out because she's never going to tell you. Mm. So let, what are you, what are you worried about? She's going to be promiscuous? So are you more comfortable if she has a boyfriend at 14 years old, and at 16 years old, they decide to go active, and but they stay together for eight years, and you know he's from a good family, and they have a steady relationship, or would you rather keep it a secret and push her so hard so behind closed doors she's got a boyfriend, but you don't know who she's dating, mm-hmm. and she goes through 5, six, seven, eight, 10, 20 guys just because you're not letting her do what she wants to do. Meaning, I am naive if I don't think my daughter, who looks like her mom, is going to be flirted with non-stop, and she's not going to be turned on by a guy that's got a strong personality. Mm-hmm. As parents today, talk about the conservative parents. I just spoke at a, 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 a church with 600 kids at this one school. They wanted me to speak to the kids, and I don't speak like a guy that speaks at a church. My mm-hmm. style of sp- I tell them, I said, you sure you want me to speak? I <laughs> said, I don't speak like you. They said, no, we totally want you to speak. I said, no problem, so I go and speak. What are the fears of a conservative parent today? that what, your kid is gonna find out about uh, the fact that LGBTQ is out there? So what's the way of doing it, not talking about it? When my boys were five years old and four years old, I sat down with my two boys, and my wife is in the room, and I said, the boys, we're in the shower, so you know, father and son, they're having a shower, so no one's got clothes on. I said, hey, stand up right in front of me. So I grab a seat, and they're standing right in front of me. I said, whose PP is that? <laughs> mine, daddy. <laughs> yeah. Whose is that? That's mine, daddy. Yeah. I said, this is mine. I said, okay, now let's talk about something here. I said, God gave you that for you. Mm-hmm. You get to play with that until somebody helps you play with that. A girl who plays with that when the time comes. Yeah. That's going to be a long time from now. Yeah. But you go to school and a man or somebody says, let me see it. Nobody plays with that. Mm. That's for you. Yes. That's yours, right? That's I'm having this conversation and my wife gets uncomfortable and walks out and leaves. Mm-hmm. I said, girls have a different body part than you do. That's theirs. That's theirs. This is yours. But we openly talked about it, and I made them feel very comfortable. Do you have any questions? Is there anything that makes you uncomfortable about this? We talk about it openly, so we're having that open discourse. Mm -hmm. Same with my daughter, right? We have those kinds of conversations. But people are naive if you think you're going to raise kids today and they're going to go into society and they're not going to be exposed to pot, cocaine, ecstasy, special case, Xanax, Vicodin, transgender, gay, lesbian, pornography right now as I'm doing the interview with you you know who Adam has on his podcast right now a girl named Lisa Ann you know what business she's in pornography, pornography. Yeah. she's being interviewed downstairs in the same building in the vault she's doing the interview right now she reached out she and Adam wants to have him on the show it's his show he wants to have on. Go, go ahead and have to so as much as like people would get upset I mean why would you interview communists on your show don't you understand you're giving them a platform I said you're the problem why am I the problem because you don't have the courage to have the conversation. I do. Mm. Yesterday, two days ago, when people watch this, it's going to be dated. Uh, I don't know when you're going to put it up. But the foreign minister from Ukraine and Russia had an hour and a half meeting together in Turkey. Nothing was resolved. It's not like they came to a conclusion for anything. But I said, as long as they got in the same room and they're talking, we're making progress. Mm-hmm it's when you're not talking that you're avoiding the conflict what led to this war mm-hmm. okay the more we can sit down and have discourse the more we're making progress my goal is if you're here on the right far right or you're here on the far left my goal is to bring you here that's okay. what i'm trying to get everybody to do this was the same to my mom and dad the more we can go here we don't have to fully agree, but the closer we're here, the more reasonable we're getting. Mm. That's our job as leaders. So when parents or others are saying things like that, I totally understand their uh, concern and their frustration, but we can't be naive in today's society. I love Everything it. is way too accessible
0: today. I love it. No, I think I think to me that one of our core values was a, was a diversity of thought, and that idea is you have an open mind yet a discerning heart. Open your mind to hear from those who are different than you, but use your wisdom that God has given you to receive what you want to receive and reject what you want to reject. But it all starts with at least opening your mind, because even if you disagree, they can still teach you something. Something that you taught me a couple of um Years ago, when we first interviewed, it was something that I I've been thinking about for quite a long time. And I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it. And it was going back to your plans. You have, you know, 20 uh, and I'm a I'm butcher to the middle part. But I know first 20 years, focus on one industry, become a millionaire there. I forget what you do the next 20 years. Creative, but creative, creative. creative In last 20 years, politics, philanthropy, all that stuff. We'll talk about that off camera. So one of the things I noticed about you was that you have been a man who's achieved so much success from that first 20 years of going all in in the industry. And I think it was a a number I asked you, and you said any man who's in an industry for 20 years should make, I believe you said, was it between $1 or $10 million? Mm -hmm. My question to you is that not make,
1: you should have. Have Closer to $10 million. Closer Make ten. it's it's fifty thousand dollars over 20 years. Yes. It's have. Okay. Liquid to your net worth. Have yeah.
0: liquid to your net worth. My my question to that is when people ask me about Patrick Bett David, I tell a story all the time. What's Patrick Bett David like? I talk about our first interview. I was setting up, it was about 358. Interview was at 4 o'clock. You come at 359. You sit down. You look at me in the eyes. you said You're ready. Timeliness, orderly structure. But more than that, when you walked into a room, I said, The, the microphone started shaking. <laughs> Your presence that was felt, you can feel this is a powerful man walking into the room. And what I've noticed with very successful men such as yourself is I, I view you guys as not humans, you're like superheroes. No. You guys, you guys no. have these ability, abilities and you may not view it like that, Yeah. but you have an ability to outwork, outlast, out-innovate, and out-strategize and out, um, competition in ways that other people cannot do it. So when I, I was curious because I feel like there are some people who they look at a guy like you and they try to emulate what you're doing, but they may be in the wrong lane. Maybe they're not a 10 million dollars in 20 years. Maybe they're a 1.5 million but have a good family and maybe they're happy and doing something else because what I've noticed is a lot of people they see Patrick and they and they want the life, but you and I both know, part-time 40 hours, full, full-time is 60, all the time is what? 80. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's ready to do those 80 hours for 15, 20 plus years. So in your opinion, do you believe that there is certain people who may not be called for that $10 million life in 20 years and maybe their skill sets give them a different life? And instead of them trying to pursue the $10 million which will drive them crazy because it's too much work for them, they need to find their own personal lane.
1: There's no question about it. I mean, there's no, everybody plays a different role. I mean, you have to realize so, uh, uh, Kobe runs the team. Shaq's there. It's their team. Derek Fisher is necessary. Mark Matson is a cheerleader, you know, on what he does on the bench. Phil Jackson plays a different role. You know, the, the owner, Jerry Buss, plays a different role. Everybody's got a different role to play. At the end of the day, Hafiz, what matters the most is the conversation you have by yourself when nobody's around and what you desire and aspire to be for that to match your behavior. I've said this many, many times, that level of alignment to have. The problem man has is when you know you're capable of doing XYZ and that's what you want to do, and that is your dream, your passion, your vision, all of it, but you're not putting the effort, the conflict here is so much that you can't get along with anybody else. Your conflict isn't with the world, it's on the inside. Somebody may say, I really could care less about that. Then, no problem, go be a role player. You're also very necessary. When you build a great company, we know. Uh, uh, America's foundation, what do we think about presidents-wise? We think about George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Adams. We think about those. And we think about one important name, Hamilton. We think about, you know, Benjamin Rush. We think about these names, right? But there's a lot of role players no one knows about. Mm-hmm. They played a very important role on what they did. Very important role. But as long as you're aligned with, you know, who you want to be. If you can go to sleep at night totally okay with the results, great. If you have an ounce of envy, an ounce of envy, where does envy come from? If you have an ounce of jealousy, where does that come from? Think about what envy is stemmed from. So you sit there and you're like, oh, that guy, oh my gosh, you know, I, I hate that guy. Let me tell you. Why? Why? So, so I've had sales guys that would come to me and they would talk trash about one guy. I'm, 20 years I've been running a sales company, so this would happen. Let me tell you, Pat, you don't know that guy about this guy. You don't know who that guy was. Really? Tell me, who was he? You you don't even understand. You know he wasn't that good, and he was this, and he was that with girls. I said, what's your problem with them? But but you 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 think so highly of that guy. No, I respect the fact that he works. But tell me, you why are you so upset at him? Are you envious? Me? I'm not envious. You sure? Positive? You're not? En- I'm not at all envious. Are you? Are you telling me because it's an embarrassing question that I'm asking you? Are you sincerely not envious? Mm. Don't answer that. Let me give you what I'm thinking and you process it tonight when you go home. Let me explain. If you are envious because of what that man has built in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years and he's making good money, he's happily married, he's got the kids, he's got the house, he's respected, he sits on boards and you're envious because 15 years ago you guys were at the same level and he paid the price and you didn't and you secretly are envious of the life that he has. Maybe you're upset with the fact that you didn't give your best. Mm. Maybe that's what you're upset with. And by the way, Johnny, what's that? That's a valid thing to be upset about. Because in your mind, you're thinking how capable you are, but you didn't give your best. Mm. That's where envy comes from. So if a person looks at somebody and celebrates their victory, like, man, I'm so happy for that guy. There's no envy? Fantastic. Yeah. If a person sits there and says, oh, that guy, dude, he's... Listen, I don't agree with the guy, but let me tell you something. More power to the guy. Mm. More power to the guy what he did. Absolutely respect. Great. So then you are aligned with your life where you are. You are very happy with where you are. You are fulfilled with the results you got. You're not trying to be that guy. You are contributing to society to the levels that you're willing to contribute to society. But 99% of the time, it's not the case. People are upset and frustrated with themselves because they know if they gave their best, their dreams would become a reality, they're disappointed with themselves. Mm. In that moment, a man must have the conversation with himself. I've had this conversation with myself where I was disappointed with myself. I was upset with myself because I did more of this than I did the working. And then I had to choose to make the adjustment or take the L. Mm. That's the choice the man has to make. So if that's where you are, look, some of, us got, some of us have a different life. Some of us got to take a step back at 43 years old. Someone's got to take a step back at 52 years old. Mm-hmm. You got to hell, nowadays, we're going to live to 90 years old. We're going to live to 100 years old. So it's not like you know, a 60-year-old today, a 50-year-old today is really 50. A 50-year-old 50 today is a 30-year-old 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you're still young. You shouldn't think that it's too late. But it won't work for you if you BS yourself and the world. You have mm-hmm. to be very real with you. Yeah. And, and the way you start this conversation is no one's around. Get away from your wife from your girlfriend, from your mom and dad, from your boyfriend, from your husband, whoever it is, go away and face the man in the mirror and have the combo. And then from there, ask. If you have the courage to make some changes moving forward, do it, go be honest about it, make some progress, and the rest is history. But too often... Envy hurts people and envy validates that you do have aspirations of doing something big where you're just afraid to put in the put in the work in the effort.
0: I love everything that you said. And and so one of the things that you were talking, I thought about something. I thought about participation trophies. And I thought about what participation trophies have done to the mind of a lot of individuals. And it's and and, and, and what it's done is that it it is taught people. If I just show up, I should get a reward like everybody else. And you and I both know business is not like that. Patrick shows up, he puts 80 hours, you show up, you put 40 hours, you should not get the same reward. But what I've noticed is that in today's society with social media, like you said, with envy, a lot of people are looking and when they go to the quiet time, like you said, and they go away from their partner and the media, they look and they say, I want that life. I want what Patrick has. I want this lavish lifestyle. But in my opinion, that life isn't what their skills are. Give them the opportunity to achieve. And so because of everyone's mindset today, everyone feels entitled to what Patrick has, though they're not putting in what, the work Patrick is putting in. So for the individual who did what you told him to do, he's sitting down, he's reflective, and he and he feels like he's supposed to have this life. How can he be a- aware of his skill sets and whether that matches the big dreams that he have to be that $10 million guy in 20 years?
1: Yeah, I mean, the skill is, is one area. It's, it's more than skill set. You know, mm-hmm. I created this uh, business planning workshop and I talked about 12 building blocks. You know, sometimes we spend way too much time looking at the logical things that we need to win at the highest level. We spend way too much time thinking about skill. We don't spend enough time talking about will. Mm. We spend way too much time talking about you know how much capital you need. We don't spend enough time t- talking about the vision and how it gets you emotional.
0: I consider all that part of the skills. Me personally, me, I consider all that like will.
1: To me, is not skill. Will to me is emotion. Okay. I think to me, vision is emotion. I think uh, business plan is logical. Mission is emotion. It has to get you emotional. When I see somebody that does something at the highest level. There's typically something that emotionally hurt them, upset them, inspired them. Somebody made a comment that affected them. It could be a mother, a father, somebody. They love that that piercing comment that was made when you were 17 years old that's still with you. The boss that fired you and said you'll never make it that's still with you. That produces emotion. Mm. That is an emotion. So, you know, we study our competition, but we don't really know what our enemy is Mm. and who our enemy is. There's a different emotion an enemy creates than a competition creates. Like, for example, let's just say you right now are at 496,000 subs, right? Okay, you're at a half a million subs. You're going to be a million subscriber channel. You're going to be a multi-million million subscriber channel. So you could say, well, I'm, my competition, I'm studying this guy's at 700. I'm studying those guys, they're at 600. I'm studying these guys coming up, they're at 200. I'm studying those guys, they're at 2.8 million. That guy's at 11 million. This guy's at 6 million none of them produce any emotion. Mm. But you're studying one guy that's an enemy. Mm -hmm. That produces emotion. That one channel is going to produce 10 times more emotion for you than all the other 75 YouTube channels you study that produce zero emotion. Mm -hmm. It's just logical loss. Mm -hmm. Or logically bigger than you. Does nothing for you. But this one? Mm. This one will make you Travel and do three interviews in a day on four hours of sleep and read the notes, prepare, watch the videos on 2.0 and stay focused and still run a business and call your wife and call your kids and do all this other stuff because that produces emotion, right? Okay, so take a step back. You're talking about, you know, this guy that wants this with the skills and all this other stuff. Um... Sometimes on the way to a dream, you're going to get lost and find a bigger one, right? You're like, oh my God, I want that house. It wasn't really all about the house. You realize it's about the mission, right? Mm -hmm. When the why is strong enough, the how doesn't matter. We've heard that statement many, many times. I am more concerned about finding your why. I am more concerned about finding what moves you, what upsets you, who ticked you off, what comment was made. Grab a piece of paper and write down. You want to be fired up the next 30 days? Simple exercise. Grab a piece of paper Write down the most painful comments ever made to you by people that you loved or former colleagues, bosses, family. Just write it down. Mm -hmm. Quotation, this person said, you will never make it in life without me. Boom. Mom. Mm. Quotation, you will never find somebody as good as me, period, ex-girlfriend. You're a loser, comma, former coach. You you Mm -hmm. write those down Mm -hmm. and then you read it. See how you feel after you read that and go there. Nobody else is around. That produces emotion. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs, mom, you gave me up to be adopted, foster, and an Armenian mother takes me over? How dare you give up me, Steve Jobs? Mm -hmm. I'm going to show the world what you gave up. Mm -hmm. How many competition does he need to study for him to realize that? So if a person really wants to do something big, um, Or if a person gets chosen, called, destined, whatever you want to call it, there's typically uh, one or two or three stories behind closed doors that you and I may never find out because it's sealed right here. Mm -hmm. You will never talk about it. People may never know about it, Mm -hmm. but it's deep down inside there. And all you're saying is, so why are you so fired up? Oh, you know, because I'm trying to have my dreams. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. There's something we don't know about. I totally respect it. Go get them.
0: I love that. Absolutely love that. So something else I thought about in, in, in line of it, because I'm because I'm thinking about, I believe Mario did a series on being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I and I love that dichotomy, because I believe both of them are equally important. And obviously, both of them are different. But I also believe that both of them can achieve a lot of success in life as, as Mario has done as well. Let's say, for example, not saying this would ever happen to any and in in your family, but let's just say, for example, let's say Tico said, I want to be a school teacher. Mm-hmm. I want to be a school teacher, in in Dallas, Texas, Plano ISD. Wants to go back to where he was raised in, be a school teacher, Plano ISD. At the max, making seventy thousand dollars a year. Obviously, he's passionate, he's excited, he's zealous about it, and it's great. But this should be there. There can be more for an individual who is having a fixed salary position. So if 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 he was in that fixed salary position where let's say seventy thousand is the cap, is his cap, what are you telling him to do as well, or are you telling him to do stuff as well to be able to create more, or are you just telling him be content in the seventy thousand dollar lane and not do anything else?
1: No, I'm I'm not uh, doing either. I'm asking him, uh, is this full? Are you fulfilled? I am, that This is what I want to do. I feel like I'm called to do this. You were called to do this. I'm called to be a teacher. You've always told me that, to lead, respect, improve, love. I feel like being a teacher, doing what I'm doing, teaching jazz, I'm leading kids, I'm respecting uh, society, I'm uh, improving on a daily basis as a teacher, and I'm loving on these kids, which many of these kids don't have. And I'm not uh, bullying anybody, and I'm not going to let these kids get bullied. I got courage, wisdom, tolerance, understanding. That's what I'm doing. You're totally fulfilled what you're doing. Go get them, baby. Mm -hmm. It's all they're going to hear from me. There's not going to be anything else because at this point of the game, all the stuff's been shared with you. You got to go make the decision what you want to do with your life. One day, I come home from school and my—I uh, uh, never tell the kids about entertainment. Like I don't tell them like I'm creating content. I'm a YouTuber. Kids have no clue. Mm-hmm. They have to find out for themselves. I don't tell them. You're going to find it. You're going to be around Daddy. We're doing you know interviewing George Bush. You're going to come meet a president. You know, I'm there with Kobe Bryant. We're having an hour and a half conversation before I do the interview. You'll talk to Kobe. You'll meet him. You'll know who Kobe is. You're going to have that kind of experience. But one day I come home and my wife's like, babe, the kids found out that uh, you and Tico have the same name and they Googled him because everybody was Googling stuff and your name came up with YouTube and Valuetainment. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's your dad? Mm -hmm. I can't believe that's your dad. And he says, hey, Tico, tell daddy the story. Yeah. He's not excited about it. Mm. So I look at him, I'm like, hmm, that look is not a look I'm used to. <laughs> I said, Tico, you want to tell me about it? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. He goes upstairs. 8.30, go to sleep. He doesn't like to go to sleep at 8.30. We have to fight him to go to sleep. So I go upstairs. Dylan's right next door, and, and I, right next to the bed, and the, Tico's over here. I say, we have the same name, Patrick, Patrick Gabriel by David. I'm Patrick by David. So I said, Daddy, what are you thinking about? Don't talk to me, Dad. I need some space tonight. (laughs) I'm like, what's up? What's bothering you? He puts the pillow on his face. I don't want to talk about it. I said, Daddy, tell me what you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Silence. I said, are you concerned that there's unnecessary pressures on you because we share the same name? Yes. I said, okay. Do you feel like... In life, you have to be me, and you're going to live in my shadow for the rest of your life? Yes. Mm. I said, I got you. Okay. I said, let me ask you a question. You have to know that if you wanted to change your name to anything, I'm totally okay with that. If you want to go right now, you say, Daddy, I want my name to be Peter, Paul, (laughs) John, Joe. I'll take you tomorrow and change your name. Mm. I don't want to change my name. Really? No. Why not? I'm proud of my name. He gets emotional. Yeah. Very special moment. I said, okay, what are you proud of it? You and I have the same first name. I have my grandpa's name. I love my grandpa, Gabriel. And I have the best last name in the world, but David. I said, So what are you worried about? Stays quiet again. I said, You think I expect you to do what I want, what I did in my life? Like you expect you think I expect you to be an insurance person or media person or business person? Yes. I said, then let's talk about it tonight. I said, you need to hear something from me. He says, what's that? I said, Daddy, I don't care if you want to go make movies. I don't care if you want to go be a military soldier general. I don't care if you want to go be a cop. I don't care if you want to go do whatever you want to do. Here's what I do care about. Whatever you choose to do, I expect you to lead, respect, improve, love. Don't bully people. Don't get bullied. Stand up for yourself and pray for courage, wisdom, tolerance, understanding. Mm -hmm. That's my expectation. You don't have to be me. Now, let me give you on the selfish side, because you need to know this as well, because I leave this in them too. Nothing would make me happier to be in business with you one day. That's my dream. My dream is for all four of you to be in business with me somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Whether it's we're building a company together and you're running one of the divisions, whether it's a new startup that you guys create and I fund it, whether it's us sitting on a board together, you have to know nothing will make me happier mm-hmm. selfishly. Yeah. But what's more important to me is for you to be fulfilled and for your dreams to become a reality mm. that's what i told this kid he starts crying you have no idea how much i'm emotional at this moment i'm telling the story to the kid he's mm. crying i'm crying mm. and i said that's all you need to know daddy he says okay i said you feel better yes he jumps and gives me the biggest hug yeah. and i'm emotional he's emotional i said give me a kiss he gives me a kiss he said okay can i go to sleep i said go to sleep buddy walk that never brought up the issue again next time he saw it he was so happy to say Valutemo, my daddy's this, my dad. I want to give the speech in front. Go, oh my God, that's my daddy, that's my daddy. Now there's different. Yeah. I'm going to make movies, but that's not my daddy's strength. You know, because I told him, I said, I said, I said, Tico, you ever notice in the house when toys break, do you guys ever come to me to fix toys? No, daddy, you suck at fixing <laughs> toys. Yeah. I said, okay, who do you go to? I go to Papa. Yeah. I said, do you think I will ever be good at fixing toys as good as Papa is? No, daddy, Papa's very good. Mm. How come I'm not upset? He says, what do you mean? I said, I'm not as good as daddy. I said, do you realize I'm in Papa's shadow when it comes down to who's a better handyman? Mm. But I'm okay with that because my dad has his own strengths. I have my own strengths. He said, that makes a lot of sense. See, these are the kind of things that for me, when it comes down to my kids, of course, we have our own selfish things that we'd like to see our kids become. But at the end of the day, nothing is above supporting their dreams, encouraging them on what they want to pursue.
0: I love that so much because I think, to me, the reason why I asked you that question is that I feel like there's a community of men who are that. They have dreams. They have passions that are not the most lavish. They're not the most sexy. They're not the most extravagant. But because they feel this pressure that if I'm not an entrepreneur, if I'm not making a million dollars, if I'm not making this, that, and the they feel like their dreams are not big enough. But like you pointed out, you know, if you're if you're passionate, if you're if you're zealous, if you're giving hundred and ten percent, it's worth it. I,
1: I will say something here. Go though. Ahead. I will say something here though in, in regards to this topic. So, uh, uh, there's a new quarterback that's coming up. His name is Joe Burrow. Okay, I'm giving a talk at uh, th- this event in uh, Vegas three weeks ago, and I showed the video of Joe Burrow when he's playing. Uh, I believe he's playing uh, uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, and he's coming up, and this guy hits him so hard. His legs go up. He drops on the ground, and the other guy is taunting him. The score is 14-3. They're down 14-3, and he's down. People think he's done with. He's over with, right? Anyways, he comes out of the game. They're like, did this guy injured. It's over. Fiesta Bowl. They're going to win it. The opponent's going to win it. He scores four touchdowns back to back to back. Mm. They win the Fiesta Bowl. From that day on, the next year he wins the national championship, he never loses a single college game the rest of his career. Mm. Goes into the NFL, gets drafted number one, Cincinnati picks him up. They don't have a good offensive line. He takes the team to the Super Bowl Okay, with the worst offensive line probably of all time. Mm -hmm. He got sacked seven times in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl record, Mm -hmm. he gets sacked seven times, and he almost— Wins the Super Bowl yeah, yeah, yeah. as a 22, 23-year-old. Yeah. After the game is over with, they're talking to Rob Gronkowski. And Rob says, I'm on a one-year contract. He said, if I do come back, there's only one guy I want to play with. And that's Joe Burrow. Now, who's Rob Gronkowski? He played under who? Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. The only guy you're willing to run with is Joe Burrow. Why? Because the only guy crazy enough to do it was Who? Joe is the guy that's willing to fight. Okay, what's the moral of the story here? My whole message in that you know, speech that I gave was, in life, you're going to have two choices. You're either going to be Joe Burrow or you're going to have a chance to run with Joe Burrow. Mm. If you're too afraid to be Joe Burrow, but you find a Joe Burrow, don't be a fool. Run with Joe Burrow. Because mm. astronomical things can happen in your life. Tim Cook worked for Steve Jobs... When Steve Jobs died, he said there's only one guy that can be the CEO of the company. At the time, Apple was only worth 100 billion dollars. Mm. Okay? Tim Cook takes over as a CEO, takes the company's valuation from 100 billion dollars to 3 trillion dollars. Mm. Tim Cook as an entrepreneur, Steve Jobs being the founder entrepreneur, right? Who's more important? Of course the founder's more important because of inception. But this guy took it to 3 trillion dollars. The part you got to give respect for Tim Cook is because when he had the opportunity to run with a Steve Jobs, he said what? Yes. Mm. Now, a lot of people are more like, I want to be Steve Jobs. Ah, you Mm. don't. Yeah. No, I want to be Joe Burrow. Yeah, they lost. They blamed. You know, he's the guy. No, but I want to be him. If you're comfortable with all the pressure, the sleepless nights, it's all your fault. You screwed up. You're the guy. Because of you, you guys, if you're okay with that then be that guy. Mm. But you're going to have these two choices. Now, the mistake is the following. You meet a Joe Burrow, or you have an opportunity to be Joe Burrow, or run with a guy like that, and you say no, 20 years later, you sit back and you say, shh, mm. nothing is more normal. Because to be able to run with people like that in life only happens once or twice. It doesn't happen all the time. Mm. It's not going to happen like 50 times in your life. It's going to be like... I missed out the opportunity to run with that guy Mm. or to run with that gal. Those are the things that the message is slightly different than what I just gave you with my son, that he wants to be a school teacher. This is a complete different message I just gave you. One of them is it's my son. Hey, you want to go do that? Totally get it for you. But the other one is you got a chance to run with a guy like this. Mm. Never turn down that offer. Mm. go run with that group because you're going to learn more in five years than you would in 30 years. And God knows what's going to happen in your life in that five years.
0: I love it so much, man, Patrick, every time is so much wisdom and so much great messages. And I want to, I want to touch one subject matter. I'll let you go. I know you got your busy man got a lot going on. You touched on the business. We touched on you uh, fatherhood. We touched on so politics, touched on so many things. I want to talk to you a little bit about, some of your thoughts when it comes to marriages, we we had a clip went crazy a couple of couple um, years ago when we were talking about these things, because one of the things um, you told me and I, and I and I'm still gonna hold you to it. You told me to come back to you and we're gonna have a conversation when I'm married and have kids. I got married, <laughs> so when I get kids, I'm gonna come back. Beautiful wherever. wife, by the Thank way. You, you guys so look much. amazing Thank together. Thank you so much, yeah. Patrick. So we're gonna come have that conversation. But to me, I'm very I'm very interested in. You have this amazing business. You have these amazing children. You have all these great things going on. How are you able to balance all that with also being a husband? Because I think there is not a lot of conversations from high profile, high achieving men really discussing this. And that's something as someone who aspires to be a man like you. I'm very curious, what are some of the things that you've learned all these years to balancing and being successful in marriage?
1: Yeah, so number one thing is managing expectations all up front. Mm. Okay, so let me let me unpack that. Do you remember what I said when you said, hey, if you were the president today, what's the most important thing you would do today? I said, I said what you do the 20 years prior to being president is 100 times more important than you being 100%. a president? Okay, so what you do before getting married, okay, is important more than... When you get married Mm. What do I mean by this Let me unpack What I'm saying to you here So on our first date We go to P.F. Changs On our second date We go to church in the morning It's a Sunday Then we go to Santa Monica do the stairs Then we go to Earth Cafe And then we go to Borders At Borders I buy her a book Called 101 Questions to Ask Before You Get Engaged By Norman Rice Thank you for the recommendation Perfect So, So I get that book And I give it to her On our second date And uh, she looks at us, I said, listen, I'm not here to hook up. I got, I'm doing fine in that area, looking for a (laughs) wife. If this scares you, I'm not the guy for you. Now, we had known each other for a few years, but she was dating another guy, was dating another girl. And I said, you know, if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm totally good with it. She says, oh, let me think about it. Goes back a week later, we go through the questions, right? So we talk about how many kids you want to have finances, how many months can you handle without me being on the road, traveling, working car, schedule, everything up front, right? Okay, great. So that happened. Once that happened, she knew my position, I knew her position, then we got married. When we got married, I started a company three months after I got married. When I started the company, I had money in the bank. We were looking at a $2 million house in an area called Monteria Estates in uh, uh, Northridge that we loved, and we looked at this house that was right next to Hulk Hogan's house, a beautiful house, and we went in, we looked at a five, six nine, I said, now that we're starting a company, I'm not buying a house. We're going to live in an apartment complex. Mm. And I'm not buying a house for five years. Mm. So I don't want to talk about buying a house because I'm not going to do it, babe. Money's going to go into the business. This is what we're doing. She supported. Great. No problem. When we're dating, I said to her, she said, well, you know, everybody's got a Louis Vuitton. I'm Middle Eastern, so everybody around us. Everyone's got Louis, Fendi. All. I, said, I said, I'm not a Louis person. Yeah. I'm not a Chanel person. I said, I like coach purses for now. I said, but after our three kids that we have, at the third kid, I'll get you a Chanel purse, mm-hmm. okay? She's like, okay, great. So managing expectation. Third kid, us born, boom, $10,000 Chanel purse. At 10th year, if we're together, babe, <laughs> you know how much of a ring I bought her? A $3,300 ring. Mm. I had money when I bought it, and I only bought her dollars She bought me a $200 ring, $300 ring, okay? She said, what kind of a ring you I said, babe, I don't care what kind of ring it is. Just, yeah. By the way, she bought two of these because I lose these. All. This is like the fourth one. We got, okay? <laughs> so she uh, gets a $3,300 ring, and I said, at the 10th year, if we're still together, whatever you want, you want a $50,000 ring, $30,000, I don't care. Whatever you want, I'm going to get it for you. We're married 10 years. We're celebrating. This was two and a half years ago. I said, what ring do you want to buy? says, babe, I don't want a ring. Why? It hurts my fingers. Mm. I said, okay, what do you want to do? I'd much rather go to Monaco and we stay at the best hotel and we stay there for a week and first class and all this stuff. No problem. We go to Monaco, spend sixty thousand dollars on a trip. To her, that was more important than getting a ring. No problem. Then, hey, I want to get you this house. Now I just bought a twenty some million dollar house the that we're staying. That's amazing. Man. So, thank you. But but the point is, the point is, everything is managing expectations mm. up front. If we don't manage expectations up front, if we don't do our part up front, you're going to constantly face challenges. Too often, people who get married manage expectations too late. Mm. It's too late. Nothing matters right now. There is no leverage right now. Like what is the expectation right now? Mm. We're in too deep. Like before we're talking about any like before we have kids, we got to manage all the expectation before we have kids. Mm. We got to manage it before we buy a house we got to manage it before we send them to private school. We got All of those conversations needs to be had early. We don't do that enough. Every single person I've ever hired that didn't work out, a talent, an employee, anything, I'm 100% to blame because I didn't manage all the expectations up front. Mm. And I did it afterwards, and then I'm like, what, you wonder why this relationship didn't work out, Mr. Genius? Yeah. Is because you didn't manage expectations up front. Now, this doesn't mean I do it in every aspect of my life with my marriage. I don't, but you try to do it as much as possible. Mm. When you don't, it's problematic. Marriage is, by the way, the other thing about marriage I will say as well to you, final thoughts on this, and then I'll turn it back over to you, is when I uh, uh, talked to my pastor about getting advice about marriage, he gave me an interesting advice. He says, here's one thing you need to know. Uh, Women marry men hoping they change, and they don't. Men marry women... Hoping they stay the same, <laughs> and they don't, right? And they change. So it's kind of like, well, I think he's going to change. I'm going to be able to change him. Yeah. yeah, you can probably, certain things we're going to improve and get better. When we have kids, we are going to be thinking in a different way, maybe a little risky and all this stuff. But it's our DNA. It's who we are, right? I oh, I hope she stays the same. She's probably not going to stay the same. <laughs> and you have to be okay with that. Marriage is not easy. But the one thing I said at our wedding, I said, you know, everybody's asking us right now how long we're going to be married. I said, I can guarantee you we'll be married for one year, minimum. (laughs) I said, we're going to take it one year at a time. You don't put those pressure on us. We're going to be married one one year at a time. Every year, we're like, you want to go one more year? Let's go one more year, Mm -hmm. one more year. We've been saying it for 13 years now, 12 and a half years, right? Because I think sometimes in marriage, when you create unnecessary expectations of walking on water, it's the same exact way... When a father is too protective of the daughter, when she's finally free, she goes to college, gets drunk and has seven boyfriends in the first two weeks, (laughs) it's the same thing you do into marriage. Mm. We can't be walking on water all the time. The more it's walking on water, the more the other person wants to retaliate. Mm. The more there's expectation and a bit of flexibility, the more it's like, dude, I can do whatever I want to do, but I don't want to do it Mm. because we have mutual understanding. So I'd say managing expectations is probably one of the most important things. You can do in your marriage.
0: So let's say there's a guy right now. He did his best to manage expectations. He's a seventy thousand dollar guy. He starts a business with a friend, just you know, out of fun. Business takes off. Now he's a seven million dollar guy, and he's doing well. But before his wife expected him to come home at five. Mm-hmm. Now he's coming home at ten. Mm-hmm. They're having issues with time mm-hmm. and him not being there, him missing baseball games and things yeah. like that. How would you advise a guy like that to manage expectations? Because he did communicate one thing at the beginning, and now things are drastically different.
1: Well, no. I I think when he starts a business, he's going to say, babe, I want to quit my job to start a business, and I'm going to have to work my ass off. Mm. If he says that, and he says, five years later, I want to be able to spend more time, and you're not, you drop the ball on your commitment. Mm, So that's where she's being disappointed. Mm. So there needs to be an understanding of, hey, is there a timeline to this? Is this forever? Mm. What's the out? Are you trying to be a billionaire? Are you trying to be a Because mil- you're trying to be a billionaire, I'm not up for. Because that's forty years, mm. it's thirty years, it's twenty years. I don't care about that. Who are you trying to be? I just want my husband. I miss my boyfriend. I miss my husband. Right, like that mm, yeah. conversation back and forth. And uh, unfortunately, let me let me say the other part. Sometimes you will come to crossroads, and this is the challenge. Uh, 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 yeah. I'm years ago, 15 years ago, I went to a class by this author. They wrote this book called Crucial Conversation. They also have another book called Crucial Accountability. They're an LDS group out of Utah do a fantastic job on how to have crucial conversations. So I went to a lot of their courses, like $1,500, $2,000. I highly recommend going to that. But I bring them to us Mm. and you spend $10,000, $15,000 and they do a two-day course for all your employees. And it's how to address conflicts together, Right. Mm. I think husband and wife one of the most valuable things you'll ever pay for is going to a conflict resolution course together for two days to know how do we address conflict together there needs to be a system Mm. on how for you to resolve if you don't have a system it becomes problematic however sometimes in a marriage let's just say you're at a point that you're working out you're taking care of your body but your wife's letting her body go then what do you do Mm. You married her, she was 140, now she's 280. Mm. She's 240. You Mm. didn't marry 240. (laughs) Let's flip it. She married you, you were 180, now you're 280. Mm -hmm. You drink beer every night, you're hanging out every night, you don't even have the energy to spend some time with your wife late at night. Mm. You're at a point that you guys are having sex once a month. You know how many people I talk to are having sex once every two months? Mm. Like, what are you even talking about? It's not even healthy for you. Yeah, It's good to have sex once or twice a week, minimum, when you're married. You have access to it. Take advantage <laughs> of it. But sometimes you're kind of like sitting there saying, well, is it at all, uh, what is it, uh, uh, until death do us part, you know, all the commitments that we need to make? Man, I mean, I didn't. I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) She's not putting, you know, what if all of a sudden you decide to not drop off the kids or she doesn't want to drop off the kids or she doesn't want to do homework with the kids. Or you don't want to do anything with the kids. You don't want to, what if all of a sudden that happens? Did he sign up for that? Mm. Did she sign up for that? What are we supposed to do during that time? Mm. Are you supposed to sit there and say, well, that's kind of how this thing is. I got to be around for the rest of my life. I also don't agree with that. Mm. I also don't agree with that because in a partnership, You and I start a company to get a 50-50, okay? And it's a dream we got. And both of us are working our asses off year one, year two, year three, year four, year five. Year five, we're both multimillionaires. You take a million home, I take a million home of the profits that we make. You go spend a ton of money, you party, you don't get married, you got five girlfriends, you're having the time of your life. I get married, I settle down. You come to the office next day at 11 o'clock, I come to the office at 7.30. You're no longer paying the price. How long is that sustainable in business? Mm. How long is that sustainable? That's good. It's not sustainable. It's not. So, so there needs to be, babe, if this is a partnership, babe, I'm sorry, I don't think you signed up for this. I mm. didn't sign up for this. Mm. You definitely didn't. We didn't sign up for this. So there needs to be that conversation to confront and address it before it's too late. Mm. So sometimes we think that marriage is like, no, man, oh, you... That's what scares men to get married, mm that there's not an out, that you're handcuffed with shackles. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. We got to kind of do our part. Now, if there's a health matter that happens, health issue that matters, that's a completely different conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like, hey, you bailed on her when she was going through this or you bailed on him when he was going through this. This is health. It's a very different story. I was talking to a husband and wife that were married and uh, the husband says, when we were in our 20s, what mattered to me the most was my wife being hot and beautiful and us having sex every night. In our 30s when we had kids, you know, what mattered to me most is, you know, we were having some time together, but at the same time, you know, our kids doing good in school and we'd go that's our kid in our forties. You know, we had a nice house and a nice car and all this other stuff in our fifties. We started having different problems in our marriage in our sixties. I couldn't get it up anymore. Christian pastors talking like this. Mm. So we'd have sex, but I'm limp. Mm. Is that fair to my wife? <laughs> Just think about it for yeah, a second. Yeah, you're I'm... young. So you're not <laughs> experiencing that. We're yeah. not experiencing yeah. that. But is it fair to her? Mm. The real question, is it fair if you're married to your wife and you can't get it up, how long is it okay for her to go through with that? Mm. One week? Mm. Two weeks? Also, oh, so you sh- she should not have sex anymore? Mm. Th- th- isn't that a God-given gift that was given to us? Mm. So she had the conversation with him and said, hey, babe, I want to have sex with you. It's been six months. I know it's an embarrassing, touching subject. Are you okay if we go to the doctor and we get prescribed Something, yeah. Because we're not having sex. I want to have sex with you. His ego was tested. How do you question my manhood? We're very insecure. We're men. We're very insecure, right? Yeah. But guess what happened? They went to the doctor. He yeah. got Viagra. Sexual intercourse was fixed. Everything went back. A year later, his wife has cancer in the over. You know, in the area where she can, they couldn't have sex for twelve months. Mm. He says, "You have no idea." At first, I was the one judging, and she was the one judging me. Then it's on my turn for me to be patient, for her to be patient. Mm. He says, it's so funny how life sometimes works. Mm. So I'm giving you both sides of it. One side where it's responsibility for both of us to have to meet the expectation to the partner that we married. This is a partnership, but at the same time, life sometimes happens. Pat- and when life happens, mm. we also have to be patient.
0: Patrick, man, there's a reason why you're the best at what you do, man. Your ability to look at both sides, to analyze both perspectives, and give one of the best answers to every single question is so admirable. And like I said, as the, as a person starting a company called The Standard, man, you are a man who's a standard and an example. And I'm so grateful for you, Patrick, Appreciate for your time you, and your wisdom. For the people who don't, don't know where you're at, where can they find you at?
1: YouTube, uh, just youtube pbd podcast patrick bit david uh
0: you'll find it
1: also twitter patrick BitDavid. david
0: yes man patrick every time man every time we sit down and talk i feel like I. you're learned. a great interviewer though no no learn from the best my <laughs> man. thank you so much anytime so guys you right now we get down please reach out to patrick let him know what about this podcast stood out to you guys thank you so much for being here my name is afis and i'm joined by patrick bit david we're the roommates and have a great day